Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Full Measure After Hours. Cheryl Atkinson here. Today for the Thanksgiving holiday, I'm going to play a little bit of a live chat that I had on Thanksgiving Day that has some inside secret stories from my time at CBS News. The news as we once knew it no longer exists. It's become a product molded and shaped to suit the narrative. Facts that don't fit are omitted, off-narrative people and views are controversialized or neatly deposited down the memory hole. Partisan pundits, analysts, and anonymous sources fill new space, leaving little room for facts. I hope you'll pre-order my new book today, Slanted, How the News Media Taught Us to Love Censorship and Hate Journalism. Do you have something to say and want to make your own podcast? Let me tell you how to do that for free with Anchor. Anchor has creation tools that let you record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. You can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more places. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's all you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. I I shared a study, the Danish study that was a peer-reviewed published study about masks and I didn't editorialize, I just shared the study. And even WebMD, which tends to be establishment medical when there's a dispute and tends to lean left, even WebMD called it a well-designed, sort of a gold standard study. So the study itself, in my view, would not normally be controversial. But because it did not come out and say, masks are fantastic, everybody should wear them, it must be controversialized by all these interests that are out there that want everybody to wear masks and they don't want you to read anything that seems to maybe potentially undercut any part of that narrative. So I shared it because, again, part of my goal is to try to share information that's not widely accessible or that other people don't want us to see much of. So then factcheck.org, which is another fake fact check group, um, I saw something come around in my inbox naming me as they're trying to disparage that study. Instead of disparaging the study, they have to disparage whoever's talked about it. Again, that's I talked about that in the smear. They go after the reporters and the news organizations because if they can controversialize you as a personality, then people won't listen, they hope, won't listen to anything you say, and then their mission's accomplished. They don't really have to go down the editorial of what you've said. They can just make people dismiss you on the front end, and that and that's easier for them because sometimes they can't defend what, what you've said, because it's correct and it's true, but if they can make people dismiss you, that's easier. I'm going to let my dog out of this room. Hold on just a second. 
So, factcheck.org has a write-up that says that I shared an article, I shared a false article, something like, first of all, that's false because I didn't share an article. Um, I simply posted the link to the study and people can read it, make what they will of it. But it was important for them. Then they brought up, this is what tells you, this is always like, I know I'm onto something or I know there's targeting me for some reason. I don't always know why at first. Then they mentioned the article where they say falsely that I shared an article that was false when all I did was post the link to the study. They say, and she has shared vaccine disinformation. Okay, talk about a non sequitur. What does that have to do with anything? Secondly, that's false. I haven't, at least I haven't reported vaccine misinformation, but that's a narrative by the pharmaceutical industry and media matters and those corporate interests. So I'm like, okay, factcheck.org is on with the media matters vaccine narrative and they're mixing it in with the masks and they're trying to controversialize me and you know bring all this stuff up even when it's unrelated so i asked people to remember and i tweeted about this that factcheck.org is funded by the the annenberg center which is connected to the university of pennsylvania which is the university where children's hospital is affiliated and hires and employs Dr. Paul Offit, the notorious vaccine propagandist who has put out so much false information himself. I attached an article where they put in a whole bunch of corrections for misinformation and disinformation he had put out, which makes me wonder, okay, factcheck.org, are you going to call yourself and your own organization somebody affiliated with misinformation and disinformation because Dr. Paul Offit's gotten caught. He's had to revise a book where he slandered somebody in the book, he had to make a settlement for that. He was the subject of this correction that I passed around where he made all kinds of false claims. So does that discredit you, factcheck.org, that Dr. Offit has said and shared false information? Or does that only apply to people that you're supposed to target because of your funders or corporate interests or political interests? So I thought that was interesting. Remember, it's just like Orwell said. A lot of things that say they're one thing are the opposite. So if they say they're a fact check group, not in every case, but you have to at least consider this. Factcheck.org is not a fact check group. They may do some legitimate fact checking in between the narrative building. They're the opposite. They don't want you to see certain facts. They want to shape, they want to shape what you think. That's the goal. And that's the goal of Snopes. As you probably know, Snopes has been taken over by a lot of corporate and political interests. So they may do some real fact checking in there on silly things. And then they sprinkle in a fake fact check, something that's completely false. One thing I found that they were false about, I'm going to shut the door, sorry. Um, a couple of years ago, I did a story on the allegations of a link between antiperspirants and breast cancer. And I got that tip from someone, a scientist working inside the government that's been looking at links between antiperspirants and breast cancer. And this came up in a side conversation when I was talking with him about something entirely different, I said, well, people don't know about that. And he said, oh, yeah, you know, that there are um, people who want a warning on antiperspirants because of the aluminum in it. They want the warning for breast cancer on there, but we can't get it on there. And it, we keep discussing this. And I said, well, why can't you get it on there if there's some evidence? He said, because 
the industry, the cosmetics industry, fights tooth and nail and can tie us up just for years if we don't have, you know, the right kind of, like they can have studies that show the opposite of the studies, the scientific studies that we show, and it can just be tied up for years. So we haven't put the warnings on the label. And I said, well, I think that's interesting that there's even the debate and that there's some studies that show there's a link. I never knew that. And certainly, if I had breast cancer in my family, it's something that I would want to know, a tool in the toolbox that maybe this is a possibility that there's a link, whether there is or not. Let me make that decision myself if that's something I want to be careful about. So um, I do the story, and the cosmetics industry will not do an interview with me. And I say, well, who can help represent your, your viewpoints on this? And they say, go talk to the American Cancer Society. They'll tell you that this stuff isn't true. And I'm thinking, they said that several times. Why is the cosmetics industry referring me to the American Cancer Society to do an interview basically on their behalf? I'm like, hmm, this was a while ago. Hmm, I wonder if there's funding involved. So, um, and you know what? When you ask a lot of these groups, journalists just don't think to do it. They'll usually tell you. Maybe they don't tell you everything, but they don't. I found they don't just lie outright. So I call the American Cancer Society and they say, oh, the link between breast cancer and antiperspirants has been debunked. And I'm like, hmm, well, do you know about these studies, these peer-reviewed published scientific studies that I got from this government official? And they didn't know about them. So I'm like, why is the American Cancer Society claiming something is debunked when they don't even have the latest information on it? So they're like, can you fax us these studies? So I fax them the studies because this is in the old days. And I say, um, do you get any money from the cosmetics industry? And they say, why do you want to know that? I'm like, well, because if you're in any way acting sort of on behalf of them when you speak and they referred me to you, then I will report that. It doesn't mean you don't have a valid view, but I have to report that tie. You know, that's just full disclosure. And they were very sniffy and they said, um, well, yes. And I said, well, how, how much? And they said, well, we're not going to say, but it's just a small amount. Well, their budget's so big, anything's a small amount, but it doesn't mean it's an insignificant amount. And they just wouldn't tell me. So then they said they wouldn't do an interview with me if I asked about that on camera. Because I said I was going to have to put that in my piece. Again, doesn't mean that they're not, they don't have a valid viewpoint, but if the American Cancer Society is speaking kind of on behalf of the cosmetics industry, and they didn't even know about the studies that they're saying have been debunked. I think it's, you know, needs to be put in the story. So I agreed not to ask them about it, but I was going to put it in the story, the note. So I interview them. And instead of, after they looked at the study, instead of saying the link between antiperspirants and breast cancer was debunked, now in the interview, this was done sort of as a teleconference, meaning I wasn't in person. I think this doctor was in Atlanta or something, and I was in D.C. Instead of saying it was debunked, every time I asked about the potential link, he just said, women would do a lot better for themselves to worry about risk, to worry about things like getting their annual mammograms. In other words, not addressing the actual studies. So I would ask again, and no matter what I asked, he would say, women would be a lot better off doing something about the things that they can do something about and getting regular mammograms. I'm like, oh. So my conclusion is that the American Cancer Society takes funding from allegedly cancer-causing industries 
and in return does interviews at which they maybe don't deny it, but they divert by constantly saying, get your mammogram. And that's, that's sort of just how it works. So I reported this. Um, I know the story's getting long, but I think it's kind of interesting. I do my story. I report that the American Cancer Society gets some funding from the cosmetics industry. The American Cancer Society writes a nasty letter afterwards to CBS. <clears throat> Back in the day when CBS didn't care, like was fine with getting pushback on stories. Now that now the news the news division's got to be a lot more squeamish about this sort of thing. But back then they were proud if they got a letter like that and they knew our reporting was solid. So we published the letter online. It basically said, How dare you say how dare you disclose the truth that we get funding from the cosmetics industry and how dare you imply that that makes us conflicted. And I wrote a letter back, which we published too. And I said, nobody implied anything. We simply said, the fact is that you get the money. People get to decide what they think about that themselves. But they didn't even want that to be known. They were very offended that it was known. So in the end, okay, go back to the very beginning when I was researching this. I'm looking online and I think it was the FDA's website, one of the government websites, yep, FDA or CDC, whatever, said that this was a debunked theory that the idea that antiperspirants, the aluminum and antiperspirants is linked to breast cancer. And I remember, but the government scientist insider told me that they're talking about this all the time and thinking about putting a warning. So I know it hadn't been debunked. And I know that there's studies they're looking at that support the notion. I mean, not conclusively, but that support the notion. So I'm like, why does the website for the government, why is it misleading on this point? So I call them again, pretty sure this was FDA, not CDC. It would be FDA issue. And FDA finally gives me um, a statement that says, that acknowledges it's not debunked, that actually says, well, we need more studies. We should look into this. So to me, I'm like, wow, that's really news. First, the thing that they're telling everybody, American Cancer Society says is debunked, FDA says is debunked. Turns out it's not debunked. In fact, they're looking at it. Some new studies have appeared and they say they're going to be studying. By the way, no new updates. As of maybe a year ago, I keep checking the website to see if those new studies ever came in. Now we're going to get back to Snopes. When I was doing my research on all of this, at the time, and I do think they removed it finally, but I looked at Snopes, and Snopes too said, this is a debunked conspiracy theory that, you know, antiperspirants could be linked to breast cancer. So that was way back in the beginning that... I started to see before I knew much about Snopes that they had false information on there and they pretend to know it is the truth. Why did they think that? Someone had contacted Snopes. They're not independent experts on this topic, but I think just like Wikipedia, Snopes has been overtaken by these pharmaceutical interests, political interests, corporate interests that know how to influence the terms of what they say is, is the truth. So, yeah. So someone wrote, get deodorant not antiperspirant, to, to put a button on this. My daughter at the time was about the age where she would be wearing, starting to use the other antiperspirant. And the reason, the reason I was talking to the FDA source I had is because a label had just gone on antiperspirants that said, if you have kidney issues, this could cause kidney problems. I'm like, what? I never heard of that, right? I thought deodorant was just, or antiperspirant was just something benign. So when I called this source to ask about the kidney link, he, I'll tell you about that in a minute, 
he said, oh, I thought you were going to call about the breast cancer link. And that's what started that whole breast cancer discussion. But before that, the kidney link was interesting because he said that the aluminum and the antiperspirant has, I guess, some people, I'm not a doctor, so don't hold me to this medical description. This is my understanding. You can look it up and do more research yourself. But some people hold on to the metals or the aluminum, apparently, in the antiperspirant if you have an issue, and this could harm your kidneys or harm you if you have kidney issues. And I remember saying to him, but people don't always know if they have a kidney issue. Let's say you have some weakness and you haven't been diagnosed. Could this harm you? And he said, yeah, you know, quite frankly, not everybody knows the problem they have. And I said, well, what would you do? And he said, I tell everyone in my family use deodorant, not antiperspirant. This is an FDA official, y'all. I'm, I'm like, well, why do your why does your family get to know, and we don't get to know because, you know, the the industries that would be hurt by this information don't want you to tell people. So I think this is important. And I'll go on to say, I'm not saying don't use antiperspirant. I've told this news to a lot of people, including some in my own family, who nonetheless use antiperspirant, understanding the potential risk because they feel like the, they've checked their own risk-benefit ratio and this is what they've determined for themselves. I'm not telling you what to do. I just try to bring this information out, particularly when somebody else doesn't want you to have it. You decide what to do with it yourself. I don't need to force any you know, particular action down your throat. What's going on here? Okay, so long stories. Again, please support independent journalism and fight information control and pre-order this. For your friends, if you've already ordered it, it's a great Christmas gift. For someone who has everything, why not? Um, and I think you'll learn. I think you'll learn a lot, even if you're pretty informed on all of these issues. Okay. Let's see. I'm going to call in Sean Ellis. Sean, I'm going to punch you in. You will actually be heard by voice to ask a question or to give your input. Um, some people aren't, didn't, I think, aren't aware they're going to be heard, and they hang up. Sean, can you hear me? Hi, Sean. Hi, Sean. Try one more time, Sean. Okay, maybe I scared him off because he didn't know his voice was going to be on here. I'm going to invite you all because a few of you are waiting, but um, you can actually ask a question in person. Okay, Chalk is back. Hold on. No, I can't play right now. Come here. Come here. Hi. Look. 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 Who's that? Look. Say hi, Chaka. <laughs> Sean, if you call back, I'll um, try to get you in. There's a few, quite a few people waiting, but I'll put you ahead of the line. Oh, there you are. Okay. Hey, Sean, it's going to call you in in three seconds. Hi. My phone. Uh, no worries. So the way, and I wanted to ask you about this, about what went on in Pennsylvania the other day with Rudy and the witnesses. Yes. Do you think that that is, and they, I believe they have that coming up again in Michigan and Arizona? 
Do you think that that is enough of a forcing function to actually get the media to cover that and the evidence? And do you believe that they laid out a strong enough and persuasive case to at least get the process rolling in the courts? All right, Sean, thanks. I'm going to hang up in case it's making you jittery, which apparently happens when I take calls. So um, do I think that these hearings that are laying out some specifics are enough to make the media cover it? No, apparently not. And you have to understand, as I write about in Slanted, it's not as though these people we're talking about in the media see their job as bringing you the facts. It's you have to understand that they've changed the definition of what they're supposed to do or they think they're supposed to do into something that is to influence you and tell you how to think. In fact, they don't want to reflect the facts. And that's, that's I think, reflected in the Sidney Powell lawsuits that were filed and all the stories that are out there saying nothing about really nothing of detail of what's of substance in the suit, but saying that there were misspellings in the lawsuit and typos. They don't want to cover the actual lawsuit. They don't want you to read the lawsuit. They want to just discredit the lawsuit. So um, I don't think, I think regardless, I think Trump always thought if he did the right things or acted the right way, he might get what he would see as a fair shot with some in the press who didn't like him. And he kept trying and he would talk to the New York Times who proved that they didn't want to cover him fairly, period, quite the opposite. They put out a lot of false information about him their goal was to be hostile and to disparage him, but he would still give a scoop or talk to them. And I think he kept thinking, maybe they can see the light if they see what I've done here, if I just tell them where they were wrong on such and such. But they won't because that's not their goal. The goal isn't, for these journalists anyway, to tell the truth or reflect the facts. It's to do the opposite. It's to twist whatever the truth is if it's something that's positive for you and to turn it into something negative. It's to shape public opinion so that they don't think something positive about you. So that hearing the other day, I can't say I watched a ton of news, but I was shocked to find that President Trump had spoken in it because wouldn't that normally be like headlines everywhere and the the president like called into a hearing, you know, a, a Republican Senate hearing in Pennsylvania about election fraud. I mean, if he just like burped or blew his nose right before the election, they made, you know, headlines, disparaging headlines out of that globally. And all of a sudden, I didn't even know he this hearing had happened until I was listening to um, WMAL Larry O'Connor and he played the hearing. So I looked it up. He played Trump's appearance and I haven't listened to the whole thing, which I still want to do. But do I think that they presented a good enough case to um, move forward with some sort of what what that hearing was about was legislative action. I don't know what they can really do. But yes. And as I mentioned earlier, you don't have to prove your case on the front end when you're alleging something. Typically, it's whether your claims are plausible enough on the front end to allow you to continue on under the terms where you could get the actual evidence and proof or get more evidence and proof because you don't have that going in. You don't have the right and the ability to storm into a business and forensically collect machines and study them. You don't have the authority to go into their documents and collect them. So you don't have the evidence. The notion that if fraud were to occur, that you would then be able to just 
prove it other than having people say they were part of it or they witnessed it. That's how it starts. And then you need the tools. And in this case, we've seen law enforcement, the Department of Justice, at least from what we've seen publicly, has no interest in getting to the bottom of this or even helping restore public confidence in the election. Let's say there was no fraud. They could play a role um, in trying to restore public confidence, although even that would be hard because public confidence in them as an institution, meaning the law enforcement bodies that investigate is so low that even if they did step in and say there was no fraud, this is the great harm that's been done in the last few years, that because of the lack of confidence we have in them, that even if they tell the truth in the future about something, people won't believe them. They've undermined themselves because of their past actions. Um, something else I want to mention, I heard somebody say two things in the last couple of weeks. Well, we have to get that Durham report out. That'll really, you know, we need to get that out pretty fast. And in my view, I could be totally wrong. It's pointless now. That had to come out before the election because it was election related. It was holding people accountable if it was going to happen for misdeeds involving the 2016 campaign and alleged illegalities involving the 2016 campaign that had to be done before 2020 or it's pointless and meaningless. And now another election has happened with nobody held accountable for the alleged fraud that investigators say happened in 2016. It doesn't matter what they find now. I mean, it's just, it's pointless. Number two, um, I heard somebody say that, oh, the Senate is going to keep investigating Hunter Biden. And boy, they're going to really come up with smoking guns. And I'm thinking, again, pointless. The Senate and the House have been coming up with findings and making criminal referrals for years to the Department of Justice. They can't charge anybody. They can't do anything about it. All the referrals they've sent over to the Department of Justice, to, to my knowledge, haven't been acted on. Dozens of them have been ignored. And again, those are things that should have been acted upon before the 2020 election. Um, so the notion that even if the Senate does some sort of continues deep dive investigation, no matter what they find, I think we now know nothing will come of it. Nothing can happen if the establishment, the Department of Justice, which stands to be able to do something about it, has indicated it's not going to do anything. Someone said they've had the laptop for over a year. Yes, like um, the FBI has had Hunter Biden's laptop since, we believe, since I think it was last December. And one really interesting thing, again, another tell, Everything bad about Trump leaks out of the Department of Justice, even false information, right, leaks to the media. But something happens with Hunter Biden last December and nobody hears a peep. So the FBI is not leaking when it comes to potentially bad stuff about the Bidens, but everything leaks when it's anything potentially bad about Trump. It doesn't give you a whole lot of confidence, again, in what must be going on inside the Department of Justice. And don't some people still work there. They were implicated in the malfeasance, still work there today. And by the way, as I continue to sue the Department of Justice over the computer spying on me, isn't the Department of Justice continuing to defend Rod Rosenstein and the guilty agents rather than admitting to the forensics and apologizing and trying to make sure it never happens again? This is just going to continue on because nothing's ever done about it. And they just have to wait out a president. It doesn't really matter. I don't even blame personally President Obama or President Trump or any president, this establishment, the intel community and Department of Justice and the people who work there, they survive beyond any individual administration and nothing happens to them. I think we all 
we all agree. What happened after the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court, not on their own, but was pushed to look at other wiretaps to see the, if the FBI did other fraudulent or improper things after they improperly wiretapped Trump associate Carter Page? Well, they looked at a sampling of wiretaps, and every single one of them had lapses in them as well. Did you hear that anybody was ever held accountable? Was anybody at the FBI ever called to task and said that you're fired, you're charged? Were the Americans who were improperly spied upon with these wiretaps that had lapses, were they notified and apologized to? Was their information that was collected burned and destroyed? Were they told, you know, that they were subject, subject, subjected to wiretaps and targeted improperly? I never heard anything about it. Did you? Um, whatever happened to the unmaskings, we know that a lot of Americans were improperly unmasked, meaning their names were used and sometimes leaked improperly to the press, which is supposed to be one of the most sacred things because they're not supposed to be spied on in the first place, Americans, by our government intel agencies. But the promise was if they were captured incidentally during some sort of surveillance, well, we'll be sure and mask their names so even other people inside the government can't see who they are and poke around about them and spy on them. And then all these names are unmasked before the 2016 election by Obama officials. And one of them specifically says that all of these unmaskings made in her name were not made by her, which implies to me the clearest violation of some kind of law. If somebody was falsely using her name to apply for unmasking, to unmask American names, whatever came of that, nothing. Never heard anything about that. Let's go back to Benghazi. When Raymond Maxwell, a State Department official who once supported President Obama and worked under the Clinton administration, uh, Secretary of State Clinton, when he says he stumbled upon a document sorting session, he told me, in the basement of the State Department when they were taking Benghazi documents out in boxes and separating them before they were turned over to Congress and the committee investigating Benghazi, when he blew the whistle on that, and by the way, he says he saw, you know, uh, Hillary Clinton's top staffers there, including Jake Sullivan, who's apparently going to enter in the Biden administration. They were part of it. And he blows the whistle on that. Nobody's interested. Nobody looks for the security tapes to see if that can be proven. No member of law enforcement ever contacts him. Nobody looks into it. Poof. So I don't know. I start to feel like there's quick action when it comes to some people, all the Trump associates, even when the prosecutors couldn't find what they alleged and what they were looking for with the Russia conspiracy. They found something to get them for, and they acted quite quickly. But if you're on the other side, let's say you're FBI Director James Comey, former Director James Comey, and the Obama-appointed Inspector General finds that you improperly removed classified anti-Trump documents and improperly handled them, and he refers a charge to the Department of Justice. Well, Department of Justice, if you're James Comey, says they don't think you meant any harm, so there will be no charges because you didn't intend to do anything bad. And I just think, um, yeah, a lot of double standards here, a lot of lack of confidence in our institutions. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Check out all of my editions of Full Measure After Hours and watch Full Measure every Sunday on TV or replays at fullmeasure.news anytime. 
You can also check out my other podcast, The Cheryl Ackeson Podcast, and I hope you'll consider ordering Slanted, my new book, How the News Media Taught Us to Love Censorship and Hate Journalism. Slanted is a great holiday gift for either yourself or for people who have everything, or at least everything else, and would really like to understand why the media is the way it is today, hearing the stories from the inside. Do your own research, make up your own mind, and think for yourself.